Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good. Really powerful time of worship, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so as Dami says, uh, my, myself with my wife, we lead King Church home. So it's kind of like this, but we meet in the evening at 6 p.m. in this room. Actually, I preach on the floor because there's less of us, so I don't need to be up here so I can see you guys. Um, and actually, I'm going to uh, plug what we're doing tonight, if that's all right. So um, the next slide, please. So tonight, we st- uh, this wasn't my idea. In the office on Friday, Judah said, hey, why don't you plug Table Talk? And I said, okay, well, I will. So um, tonight, if you, really, if you miss Richard as much as Judith does, then, and you can't wait another week till you see him, you can come tonight because uh, Richard will be kicking our four-week sort of series off looking at sexuality, and um, it's going to be a really awesome time together. And so we, we do this once a year. We, we take about four weeks over the summer to just give time to explore some topics that we wouldn't really you know, explore or go into too much detail on a Sunday. And so here are the topics. Um, if, if, if you want to come along tonight, if, if that sounds interesting, then please do. You'll be more than welcome, and we're going to have a great time. Cool. So that's my plug. Done. Right. So this morning, um, what I want us to do is uh, nothing crazy, really. I just want us to look at one question together. Um, and it's a really important question, but it's actually, it's, I guess you could say it's, it's something that we need to continually be looking at together. And that is this. What is the church? You might think, well, that's a simple question. Um, but t- today we're going to look at that in a little bit more detail. So what I want you to do is, with the person next to you, I want you to answer that question. And you can only use one word. Okay? So, what is the church? Go. I'll give you a minute or so to, to pray about it and think. Okay, wonderful. That's, uh, hopefully that's plenty of time. What is the church? Plenty of time. So um, just feel free to be really charismatic and bold and shout out your answers. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got these. Okay, that's perfect. Stop there. Thank you. So, um, I've, I've, uh, so in, in King's Church Home, we, I, I did this message and here are some of the answers and you've said them. So... Um, family, community, yeah, food, that, that came up, yeah, Jesus ate a lot of food with people, didn't he? Uh, preaching, yeah, worship, okay, and, and loads of answers. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with those answers, yeah, they're, they're good answers, they're, they're the right answers, aren't they? Even if we sometimes don't believe or live in line with that, we know, don't we? They're the right answers. Okay, so second question with your friend. Um, what is your experience of church? Okay, so 
if you have the exact same answer, that's absolutely fine. But I want to give you some freedom to maybe uh, change your answer. So, um, again, some more time. What is your experience of church? One word. All right, okay. I, yeah, that sounds... i hearing some good answers there. So, again, just, just be bold and charismatic and feel free to shout out your word. Okay, they're all exactly the same answers, which is great. That's okay. It's not helping me out at all, but... Um, <laughs> In, in other communities, um, yeah, they, they kind of did the same thing. So, so some of the words um, that we got was family. So same as the first question, right? Community. So this is good, isn't it? That our experience is actually starting to align with what the church is. Um, however, here are some other uh, answers which I really liked. Um, we did it at the front and we wrote it on some flip charts. And someone wrote emails. Yeah, interesting, right? You know, so... So how they would define church, and I guess their experience of church, is lots of emails, right? Because obviously when, when Jesus founded and, and sort of sent out and commissioned the church, he said, oh, by the way, make sure you send loads of emails, right? That was one of the things that uh, Jesus wanted to make sure that they did. Uh, two more answers. Sundays, yeah? Sundays, that was one of the answers. And, and okay, yes, technically, right, but... It, it, we can't limit the church to Sunday, can we? No. And, and another one, events. It's another interesting answer, isn't it? Events. Um, is, is, is that, should that be everything we, we go after, putting on a big event and just aim all our resources and time and energy towards an event? I don't know. So, um, hopefully, um, you might start to see, if you're brutally honest you might start to see um, a little difference between our expectations of church and um, how um, our, our, our actual reality matches up with that, if that makes sense. So you might start to see a, a difference between what we know to be right and, and actually um, what, how we've experienced it. Yeah, Does that make sense? And so I, I really do want to challenge us this morning, and I, and I want to ask the question, why are you here right now? Because it's a bold statement, um, you being here right now. You know, why are you sat where you are right now? Surely there's better things to do on a Sunday morning at half ten. Right? You could have stayed in bed for longer. Why are you here right now? Why, you know, why did you bring your family here? That's a big, st- a big statement, isn't it? Obviously, apart from the tea and coffee and biscuits, which is all free. It's great, isn't it? And um, Why? Um, so, um, youth, it's good that you're in, because um, I've got a video, which I hope that everyone will enjoy, of course. But it's always great when the youth get to watch a video, isn't it? So, shall we do that? Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They're young and energetic and looking for a new church home. 
We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Hey guys, what's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's good. Big deal. Love this lobby. It's yeah. a great lobby. You know, yeah. it's not too big, not too small. Yeah. Should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. That's all you need. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits. So if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Oh. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. Just, you're just going to put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? Honestly, that last church was just way too traditional. It was yeah. too much. It was like we left there feeling convicted, like, oh. ugh. Right? Right. We're just, we're looking for more of a Tony Robbins type sermon. Like inspiration, like a TED talk with a Bible verse. Yes. Oh, yes. Right? It's perfect here. We love it. It really is. We love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, you guys know a lot of contemporary pastors speak out of the Message Translation Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. Or this pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Shut up. We love Tumblr, up. though. This is great. Wow. A lot of emojis, a lot of abbreviations. Oh, I couldn't ask for one. And how many seats in here? Oh, it is 6,000 altogether. Babe, 6,000. Wow. I gotta be in this worship band. That's Imagine true. me up on that jumbotron mid-guitar solo. Do you know how many Instagram likes you get? Oh. oh my gosh. Basically, in terms of like worship, I think we're looking for like a Jesus culture type feel. Oh, I right. love them. Hillsong, obviously. Oh, leave me to the cross? Hillsong's great. Like a Bethel minus the spontaneous yeah. stuff. Yeah. So one of my personal favorite things about this church is the service times. Okay. There's an 8.30, a 10, a 1 o'clock, a 5.30, and even a 7 o'clock service. Oh, there's nothing around like 2-ish? Yeah, for us, for what we need, 2, 2.15 is best. Yes. Uh, how many songs do they do during worship? Usually five, five and a half, depending on where the spirit leads. Oh, wow, babe, is that, is that a, a lot? lot? Well, if that's too that much for you, they have a program here called the Worship Assist Program. Okay. So if you ever get tired during worship, an intern will come out and just hold your arms up. You just keep worshiping the King of Glory. Just like that. Wow. I love it. You can still look super spiritual. And my arms get so tired from yoga. Oh, same. I actually like this church. I think we can make it work. It was all right. I mean, it was it was good. But like, I emailed the pastor, and he didn't immediately respond. So uh, we're taking these vessels elsewhere. Should I untuck or I'll just leave it? Okay. Um, you know. Um, um, just for the record, I don't advocate everything that this guy, John Chris, says and does. But I, I, I've edited this video because it's, it's got some really powerful, funny kind of uh, bits in it, hasn't it? Um, so, as funny as the video might be, it does um, raise some really interesting uh, questions, doesn't it? Um, if you watched it, I guess the, the, the go-away question that this couple are asking is really, you know, what can the church do for me? Isn't it, right? What's in it for me? That's, that's what this video is, is, is kind of, through satire, that's what it's, it's saying. What can the, the church do for uh, 
me. You see, it, it really, really matters how we define church. Really matters. And because in this video, notice that they're not asking questions like, you know, does this church love God? You know, does, does this church live Christ-like characters? You know, does this church en- en- embody the kingdom? They're not asking those sorts of questions, are they? Um, they're asking questions like, uh, does this church start at 2.15? You know, really, really sort of very personalized questions. Um, does this church have my style, my personal style of worship, my, you know, my own preference? Um, see, what happens, all of a sudden, the church becomes less about a people in covenant with God and more about a product we consume, right? And, and before we know it, we, 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 we can become like a tourist in, in the church of God, passing through, tasting, you know? If you want to turn to John chapter 6, So um, John chapter 6 is a huge chapter, and the, the style that John writes, he likes to repeat himself. So what I'm going to do, if you can keep up, is I'm going to kind of chip and chop and go to different um, parts of the chapter, if that's okay. And I will indicate when that happens. So um, you will probably be really familiar with this story. Um, it's the only miracle that's in all four Gospels, and it's the feeding of, well, it says, it might say 5,000 in your um, text or translation, but um, I think we know, don't we, it's tw- about 20,000, if, if and it might say including women and children, okay? By the way, that's not like uh, women and children are bad. That's, oh, by the way, women and children were there, okay? And, and no one normally included them in sort of counting people. And so they're saying it's really significant that everyone's there. Um, and so 20,000 people, all right? It's a lot of people. Um, they're all following Jesus. Why are they following Jesus? What does it say in verse 2? Because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So the, the crowd aren't necessarily following Jesus at this point. They're, they're, they're following the signs that he's doing. Okay, so there's a difference, isn't there? And um, 20,000 people, that's a really significant number because um, in those times, 20,000 people was enough to make you a king. And uh, towards the end, in verse 15, they actually try and make him a king. And if you read it, it says that Jesus runs away, okay? And he, he disappears for a bit. He walks on water, you know, like you do. And um, the, the disciples find Jesus. And this is what it says, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So, so Jesus is basically saying here, you, you don't want me, you just want more food, right? You know, there's something, however, a little bit unsatisfying about this bread, isn't there? Because they keep coming back for more. And it still leaves them hungry. It still leaves them wanting more. And then uh, chapter 6, verse 30. So they asked him, 
What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Um, So I'm sure you know this story. Um, Jesus just just did that. He just fed 20,000 people with uh, basically a a boy's lunch. Um, Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Now, this next verse, verse 35, is, is huge. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life, Jesus says here. I'm all you need, right? Take me, eat me, and you will be satisfied, right? Satisfy yourself with me, says Jesus. And then skip down to verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And then it goes on to say in verse 66, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Right, so um, a really powerful chapter. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it began with 20,000 people and it ended with a handful. Um, they loved the signs and, and the bread, didn't they? But, but they couldn't quite stomach Jesus. You know, um, behind the miracles and, and the signs and the miraculous multiplication of bread which, which Jesus performs here, feeding 25,000 people, is pretty impressive. Behind all of this is a person, Jesus. And sometimes I, I look at the church and, and I think, you know, behind the glitz and glam, behind the really powerful worship sets, behind the sort of inspirational talks and preachers, there's a people who embody Christ. Behind all of it, behind everything that we see and and all the time and energy we spend on these things, there is a people who embody Christ, a community. And the picture we get from John 6 is uh, almost 20,000 people, minus the 12 disciples, didn't actually want Jesus. They didn't want to feast on him and him alone. But their eyes and their desires were focused on bread and food that spoils. What's in it for me? That's the question they're asking here. What's in it for me? What can I get out of Jesus without getting Jesus? What can I consume? What can I have? Jesus places a demand on us, doesn't he? To not be those who consume church but to be those who are constantly feeding on Jesus. To be those who are always asking the question, not what can I have, but but what can I give, right? God is not looking for consumers, but devoted sacrificial worshippers. God desires, he really desires a people who are dissatisfied with a few hours on a Sunday, alone. 
He's not looking for people who compare churches. He's, he's looking for people who build churches. Um, because ultimately, what are we? We're not church goers. We're Christ followers. Um, I had a previous job, and a colleague used to always say to me, oh, Josh is a church goer. It used to really annoy me. I didn't like, I don't like that phrase, because obviously it just, it, it kind of brushes me with a massive brush and says, this is Josh. He goes to church on Sundays. Um, but no, I, I follow Jesus, right, in my own personal life, and then I gather together with other believers, and we make up the church, we don't call ourselves Christians because we go to church on a Sunday. Um, and you might think this is pretty obvious. Um, well, um, I want to ask us, do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? If we were to, to meet uh, in a different room, if we were to meet, I don't know, on a, on a Friday night, is that church? Right? In a living room? Really? Yeah, that's church even if it's messy. Um, if we really believe that church is, is not a, a Sunday meeting alone, but, but a lifestyle, right, and a people, um, then what Sundays look like doesn't really matter too much, does it? Um, it really doesn't matter how the worship sounded. Um, it really doesn't. By the way, it sounded great today, but if it sounded awful, uh, it wouldn't matter. I mean, t to be fair, I, I used to lead worship quite a bit and um, play guitar and stuff. And um, I used to say to Charlotte, my wife, afterwards, you know, how did it sound? Did it sound okay? And she'd say, I really don't know. I just, I don't know. It always sounds the same to me. Um, and so, you know, we spend loads of time in the worship team and we quote Chronicles, you know, God appoints skilled musicians. And uh, we spend loads of time and energy on it. But really, some people just don't, can't tell the difference. Um, and, uh, you know, if you go out of key, some people just can't hear keys, so it doesn't matter. Um, the church still came together if the worship sounded bad. And Jesus doesn't leave the room when we sing that song that we don't like. You know the song? Jesus doesn't leave the room. Jesus is always with us, no matter how bad it sounds. So um, I guess uh, from that, the church isn't something we measure, is it? We should never say, oh, church was really, was all right today, or church was great today. No, the church is always great, because Jesus is always great, right? Um, Sunday gatherings are great. I love them. I really do. But discipleship, right, maturity, how we grow takes more than a few hours. It, it actually happens when we get a bit smaller, you know, in, 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 in connect groups, 10 or, or so people in a room, and you start to share life and, and really challenge one another with questions like, you know, what's God been speaking to you about lately? Um, what challenges have you had in, in, in this season? You know, how, how's he helping you through that? Um, that's where we grow. That's where we, we, you know, we see bursts in maturity. If you want to turn to uh, Acts chapter 2, I guess you can't talk about the church without uh, reading a bit of Acts. So um, Acts chapter 2, we won't read it all, but um, we know, uh, hopefully we know the, the story here, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so what happens, you know, the, the disciples are in an upper room praying, and the Holy Spirit comes, 
and um, fills them, and, and they start speaking in tongues in different languages. And you have people walking past the house while this is happening, all in different cultures. And, and they start to hear their language being spoken in this house. They start to hear the gospel in their own language. And it says in chapter 2, verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? What is Acts trying to tell us? Um, It's trying to tell us a few things. Tongues is really important. Uh, The spirit is given to men, women, and children, but it's also showing us that all people, all cultures, all languages are invited into God's kingdom. You see, when God saves us, he doesn't save us in isolation. And, And what I mean by that is he saves us for community. He doesn't take us out of a community. He he brings us together and he saves us for community. He doesn't pull us away from a community. He saves us for a new community. And so uh, people are confused. And then Peter gets up um, and he preaches and he explains. And from verse 41, this is how he ends. He says, those who accepted his message were baptized and and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, These uh, uh, here are often called the four marks of the church. Um, So in other words, if one of those falls, they all fall. So you might have counted, you might have seen uh, teaching and, yeah, teaching. So, you know, we, we, we want to be a church that's devoted to teaching and equipping. Um, otherwise, we'll probably drift into worldly mindsets. And it mentions breaking bread. You know, we, we have to be a, a community who breaks bread regularly. We don't want to ever lose sight of the death and resurrection of Jesus. They pray, right? Without prayer, we're, we're powerless. And, and the one that I want to look at here is they devoted themselves to one another, right? You've got Christian fellowship. Um, we can't isolate ourselves from the body. We, we, we just can't. Our faith will lose its vibrancy. It really will. And we will fail to, fail to bear witness to, to Jesus bringing us together. Um, we see, don't we, in Acts, how the earliest churches lived in shared houses. Um, if you've ever lived in a sort of shared house with different people, um, you can probably relate to this, but for example, you know, I, I lived for three years um, with a, another couple um, and their children, and um, for example, I would never go into the kitchen and say, that is my kettle. And it's just weird, isn't it, right? It doesn't sound quite right. You know, you live together, and before you know it, you start to share possessions, and it becomes our kettle, right? Um, so fellowship means that, you know, people in your church family, people in this room, Uh, mean more to you than just a friend. And so it means that we we can't just go off and live our own individualistic lives and and we're just profiting by ourselves. But but actually we can share. We can give to one another. We can can help one another, those in, in need in our community. And it says, doesn't it, right at the end of that um, wonderful bit of scripture, 
people were added to them daily. I really believe that if we start to, 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 to live more and more um, like God intended his church to, to live, then people will start joining us. <laughs> They'll think, hey, I want to join that. It looks great. I, I want to be part of that. Um, and I, I guess I often ask myself, why were these guys and, 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 and ladies, <laughs> why were they so devoted to one another? It doesn't ever say in the book of Acts that they were kind of forced to, right? Please, you must be devoted to one another. It, it kind of just happened. And, and so I, I asked myself why, you know, why the radical living? And I think the answer is as simple as this. They were thankful, right? The, they were thankful, okay? They, they were the most grateful and, and spirit-filled people around. You know, they'd never known the love and forgiveness of God ever, quite like this before. And because of that, because they'd experienced all that God had given them, what happens? They overflow with thankfulness. Yeah? And so when you're thankful, all of a sudden you start to be generous with your time and your resources. And because you've experienced God's generosity, and you start to give. They'd never felt more loved as sons and daughters of God. They'd never felt more forgiven of their sins. And now they have the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they're eternally grateful. And they overflow with thankfulness. Um, you, you see, um, when we uh, are not living life in the Spirit, we, we often um, might tend to rely on excitement and, and anticipation to keep us going. Um, so, for example... Um, there's a cool conference coming up, right? There's a, there's a cool event coming up. There's a new preaching series, Table Talk, by the way, starts tonight. Um, fresh worship nights, you know. We, you know, we have a new exciting worship night coming up. It's not deeper. It's different. It's not the same. It's better. It's not deeper. It's called, are you ready? The deepest. Right? How good does that sound? Sounds amazing. You know, um, you could call this momentary enthusiasm. Um, it doesn't last long. You can't live on that alone. Uh, these guys in Acts, they didn't even have a name for who they were. I mean, who joins a church without a name? Um, they, they, did, they didn't have a cool name to, to, to draw people to them. Um, they were just living Christ-like lives, and people flocked to them. The power of the Spirit in their midst, uh, their communal living, uh, this was the real attraction. Um, and in fact, they didn't ever name themselves. I find that interesting. Other people did. Um, and it was a pretty cool name. Um, in Acts, they have a few names, um, this, this movement, um, this Jesus movement. They're, they're called Christians later on, which means little Christs. Um, but eight times in the book of Acts, they're called the people of the way. And, and, and they didn't give themselves that name. Other people, non-Christians called them the people of the way because it was the way they represented Jesus. Right? It, it, it was the way they lived their lives that defined them. They weren't called, hey, it's the Sunday attenders. No. It was their lives, their shared living, which all pointed to the way of Jesus. Um, we, you know, in this room, we are the church, aren't we? Um, we exist um, within, the, obviously, the broader church, but we, we actually don't exist just for ourselves. Um, 
we don't exist for our own sake, do we? Um, I've got a little picture, um, and it's, I guess, some people, you know, if, if you think about mission, um, you might um, have a little picture on the next slide. Hey, can you see that? We had a few colorblind people in the last meeting, and they struggled to tell the difference. I explained it to them afterwards. Um, but you should see a bunch of dots, gray dots, and in the corner here, some red dots. Yeah? So sometimes when we think about mission, um, we might have this picture in our minds. So I guess the gray dots would represent um, um, those who, who don't know Jesus, and, and the red dots would, would represent the church. Now, the problem with this picture is how is the, the church depicted? It's kind of like in a corner, isn't it? Under pressure, kind of on the defensive, doesn't look very influential. It's not really connected to the other dots. I mean, how are those dots going to go to those dots? And one of the problems with this view of sort of church and its missional impact, um, it, it kind of looks like mission is only done by a select few. You know, maybe the church leaders or maybe other gifted people. And it really is a sad day when we think that the church is all about the leaders. Or we might think that, you know, the leaders are the ones who, you know, they're, they're responsible for mission. Just leave it to them to do. Um, Ephesians 4, I, I love it. If you want to turn there. It says this from uh, verse 11 in Ephesians 4. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to build the church. Is that what it says? No. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to do mission. No, what does it say? He, he gave these gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So, so church, you know, all the giftings and all of that, it's not about the leaders. In fact, the word there, service, um, some of your translations might say minister. So you could say, if someone asks you, who you are, what do you do? I'm a church minister. That's who I am. I'm here to equip the body of Christ. Um, I have a quote. You always look really cool if you have a quote. Um, it says, uh, the mission of Christ creates its own church. Mission does not come from the church. In other words, the church, okay, you and me, we don't set aside a time for mission. So we don't say, okay, on Tuesdays, we're going to have teaching. On Wednesdays, we're going to eat food. And on Thursdays, that, that's just mission. That's our missional slot. We're going to go and do some mission. No, mission has a church, right? The church doesn't have a mission. Mission, yeah, has a church. Everyone in the church possesses the same power and authority through the Spirit. Acts 2 proves it. So you are mission, right? You are mission, not the person in front, uh, not the church leader, but you. You are mission. So um, what do you think of the next image? So no longer kind of isolated in the corner, um, but scattered, right? Relating, you know, having a bit more impact on all those grey dots. How on earth is this possible? What's, what's changed? Um, well, all of us, wherever, wherever we find ourselves, Monday through to Sunday, wherever we find ourselves, we are the church, 
right? And we have a missional impact wherever we are. So um, there are 168 hours in a week. 168, wonderful. Um, Now, let's say that you sleep for seven hours a night. Um, That leaves 120 hours. Wow, that magic. Okay. Now, let's say, I'm getting this from um, LICC, which is a really good resource. Um, But it says, let's say you spend 10 hours a week doing, I guess, what we would call churchy stuff, right? That's a lot of hours. So, I mean, two to three is probably more accurate, or four, five, six, I don't know. Let's just say 10 anyway, okay? I'm going to assume that you all spend 10 hours doing churchy things. Okay, so that leaves 110 hours where we aren't sleeping and we aren't at Connect or on church on a Sunday, whatever. 110 hours of living as a disciple of Jesus and making an impact on our world. 110 hours of being scattered, being the church to those who don't know God. So um, what are you going to do with your 110 hours? Where has he placed you? What's your sphere of influence? The church is a people, isn't it? It's not a Sunday service alone. Wherever you go, you are the church. The church is a way of living. And we don't want to be those who just consume, do we? We don't. Let's never ask, hey, what can the church do for me? But let's always ask, what can I do for the church? Let's be serious about fellowship. Let's be serious about growth. Let's be serious about maturity. Let's be serious about following Jesus together. And I want to say as well, the the book of Acts, don't read the book of Acts and go, oh, I wish I had a community like that. Sounds amazing. You do have a community like that. There's people in the room and beyond. You have that community. So go and, and, and live and share and be sacrificial and flourish. Um, I'm going to end with a quote. This was originally three slides, but I have condensed it to one slide, so please be really thankful. Um, It says this, um, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there is no great experience, we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow. The more thankfully we daily receive what is given to us, the more surely and steadily will fellowship increase and grow from day to day as God pleases. Christian community is not an idea which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Let's be thankful for the church. Let's be thankful and let's be those who devote ourselves to one another. Thank you and bless you.